0: hey, y'all. Um, we are back with another episode of Understand South Carolina. And this week, we're going to be talking about a question that is on everyone's minds. When will things get back to normal? I'm Emery Parker.
1: And I'm Emily Williams. We're joined today by health editor Lauren Saucer. Uh, listeners, you'll remember her from our previous episodes about the coronavirus and Columbia Bureau Chief Andy Shane, who has been closely following how Governor McMaster is responding. So thanks for joining
2: us. Thanks for having us.
3: Yep, excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so like we've said before on episodes about COVID-19, some of the details may change by the time you listen to this episode. Um, We're going to try to make it as timely as possible. But we are recording this episode at um, about 2 o'clock on Tuesday, April 28th. So just keep that in mind.
1: And as of this afternoon, just to give you a snapshot of what we're looking at right now in South Carolina. There are more than 5,600 known cases in the state, uh, but about 39,000 estimated cases. And so far, 177 deaths have been reported from the virus. So um, we have our COVID-19 dashboard on the website. Again, you can find that by going through any of our coronavirus coverage or going to our homepage, and that will give you all the up-to-date numbers on what we know.
0: Um, and and actually, uh, we literally, the as we we're recording this, the United States, I think, just crossed over a million cases right. recorded. Um, so I, I think the best place to get started is probably... Uh, on this topic of the curve and flattening the curve. And that, that's a, a phrase that I'm sure people have heard a lot and that people have been talking about pretty much ever since this got started. Lauren, um, what what do we mean when we talk about the, the disease curve and whether it's flattening?
3: So if you can picture any sort of standard bar graph, epidemiologists who are scientists who study um, diseases they map the way diseases peak and fall. You could be talking about um, the the annual flu. You could be talking about um, any sort of outbreak, Ebola. You could, um, in this case, we're talking about coronavirus. And basically the idea of flattening it is, if you can picture on that bar graph a mountain, I don't, I guess I'm using my hands as visuals, although y'all can't see my hands, but (laughs) basically what, everyone around the country has been trying to do is squash down the top of that mountain. So it's not so, it doesn't rise and fall so sharply. Now this doesn't necessarily reduce the number of cases that we'll see in the United States. It may, it, it may not, but the idea is to spread the cases out over time Um, over that x-axis over a longer period of time so that you're not overwhelming um, our hospitals and our healthcare systems across the country.
0: So I guess that that leads us to the the most obvious question. Um, Has South Carolina flattened the curve?
3: I think that there are two parts to this. I think that, yes, uh, we have. And I also think that we were not um, hit as hard with the disease as other parts of the country um, or as we could have been. We didn't know um, how the disease was going to spread here or anywhere in the country. And um, I think that South Carolina got relatively lucky. There are pockets of the state that are obviously different than others. But the data right now seems to suggest that the curve um, is flattening.
1: Uh, So at this point, what do those estimates look like now for what we might see in the next few weeks? And if
3: we've already seen the peak, what was our peak? I think the numbers, um, the projections change, and I don't know the exact number off the top of my head now, but I think we may have peaked on around April 13th, 12th or 13th. And on one of those days, I believe we had 12 deaths. Andy, does that sound right? In yes. one day? Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Just to jump in with a quick note here, since we recorded this episode, South Carolina actually has reported 15 deaths in one day, and that was on April 28th.
3: And that, it was the day after those that, that peak number of deaths, I think it was April 13th, where we had um, peak hospital use, where we had the most number of COVID patients using hospital beds of any kind across the state. And I think it was 200-something um, um, on that peak hospital day. The numbers have started dropping and flattening since then. Another interesting point is, before they changed the projections, when they, when they thought that we were gonna peak around May 1st, um, they were predicting through mid-August that we would have 600-some deaths in the state. And that number is now, um, that projection is now less than 300,
1: I think. So I know when you wrote about this late last week, Lauren, you also noted uh, some of the the flaws in terms of the state level projections, right? Because those lump the state together as a whole, but just like how... In the U.S. as a whole, every state is experiencing this really differently. Different parts of South Carolina are experiencing it differently, right? So what does that mean in terms of the accuracy of those I think,
3: predictions? Okay, well, well, for one thing, DHECS, um, and Andy can speak a little bit about this, but DHECS projections are based on one model, um, one epidemiological model. And, and there are others out there um, that that scientists can use so just because DHEC is saying that um, you know they its projections are show that we're flattening out um, it doesn't it's just a, it's just an educated scientific guess so that could change and I think just because with these regional differences just because we have seen you know these many spots around the state it doesn't mean that areas that haven't seen um, a lot of cases are spared forever. I mean, we will. one of the downsides of flattening the curve, so to speak, is that the virus is probably going to stick around for longer and linger in communities um, differently than if we had just let it peak and fall, fall really quickly. Um, so just because some parts of the state haven't seen a lot of cases doesn't mean they might not down the road how does South
1: Carolina's curve compare to other states around us? There's been a lot of discussion about Georgia because of what businesses they're opening there, but what do we know about how our
3: state compares to our neighbors? Our mountain is, if you think about that curve is like a mountain, our mountain is a lot, our, our summit is a lot lower than um, some other states in terms of, uh, I think, you know, per incidents per person. Um, you saw, it's just, I think, I and, I and I can't quote you the exact numbers, but our the, the rate of disease per capita is just significantly lower than um, a lot of states that have been hit harder, like you know Louisiana and um, Michigan and uh, New York.
1: So let's pivot a little bit to talk about what our state is doing in terms of starting to reopen things, phasing everything back in. At this point, what restrictions have been lifted? So, again, we're talking Tuesday afternoon.
2: So as of this, uh, you know, as of today, of um, uh, the taping of this, the following has, is back in action, so to speak, that was, that was taken away. Number one, um, all retail stores are allowed to reopen as long as they limit occupancy uh, to 20 uh, percent of what the fire marshal says belongs in there or five people per uh, 1,000 feet, whichever is less. That's why you're waiting, having to wait in line to get into Walmart or a convenience store that kind of thing. Um, Now, not all retail stores have decided to reopen thinking that exactly there might not be a customer base right now to say buy books or jewelry. Um, But, uh, you know, and again, a lot of businesses were never under this order to close your hardware stores, your grocery stores and your gun shops. Um, So uh, that was one. Uh, The other things that have opened uh, are public accesses to um, lakes, rivers uh, and the beaches. You know, the lakes and the rivers and the beaches themselves were never closed. If you had private access to those, you could have always have taken your boat out and and done things. You could have taken a walk on the beach um, uh, if there were private access. But those public accesses were closed for a couple of weeks, and then those have been reopened um, uh, just as a way uh, because there's a way that they feel like they can enforce social distancing. On the water, you're supposed to keep moving. You're not supposed to stop. You're not supposed to raft, tie your boats together. Uh, You know, uh, and on the beaches, most towns have said uh, you can use it to exercise, to walk, to run, but they don't want you sitting on the beach. And of course, there are some beaches in the Charleston area that have said residents only.
1: Right. And that's one of the differences between, say, the retail order and uh, allowing public beach access to reopen. Right. That local municipalities could say we still only want residents here, whereas a city couldn't say. You know Charleston couldn't say we we are not going to allow our retail stores
2: to reopen, right? Right. I mean, and, and again, they're just they're talking about just for the beaches itself. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as entering town, I, you know, I, I think that's a that's a different issue. But you know, when you're talking about who can who can go into the beaches, and, and and there are some arguments about that. I mean, about whether you can sit here and actually, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if somebody actually can take some legal action on that issue. Again, can you make rules on the beaches? You have to keep moving. You can't uh, pull out a chair and uh, and your and your and your cooler. Uh, that I can I I, I can uh, sort of uh, sort of see legally. I, I it'll be interesting to see, especially like as we have some of these bans that going on, such as the state literally has a ban on. Uh, people from the hotspots of the tri-state area of New York Connecticut New Jersey from coming and staying uh, in hotels and uh, and other short-term rentals at the moment so, but, those are the, but right now, one of the things I want to make clear, those three things I mentioned, the boat acts, the boat ramps, the public beach accesses, and the stores being open are the only things that have changed. People seem to think, oh, the state is reopened now. Totally. No. Here's what, here's if you don't mind, let me go through the list of what's still in effect. The stay-at-home order is still in effect. We still have a number of what we call close contact businesses that are still closed. Your nail shops, your hair salons. And we also still don't have uh, arenas, concert halls. They can't hold things. Um at the moment. So there's still a a number of things that are are still, you know, um, you're not allowed to do at this point. And of course, you know, you still have a number of employers that are asking their employees to telecommute.
1: Right. And I guess some other things that might be worth calling out, um, the state parks still plan to to open. That'll be May 1st. So that's Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, Visitor centers that day also, um, these are, you know, some smaller things. And uh, right like you were saying a lot of a lot of businesses are still asking their employees to work remotely. We did have some big ones that are starting to reopen. The news came in yesterday that Boeing is going to reopen its its plant in North Charleston. So they're bringing back employees next Sunday and Monday, so May 3rd and May 4th. Uh, so definitely some things starting to pick up, but right like you said most of those statewide Restriction still in place. Do we have an idea of what the next restriction to be lifted would would be when that happens?
2: You know, I think the next restrictions to go would probably be um, both the stay-at-home and, and the close contact business, the, these other businesses. Um, my hunch is the, the mascot, the things that bring groups of people, congregating people, your arenas, your coliseums, your, um, you know, your concert halls will probably be last. Uh, at this point. Um, When that's going to happen, your guess is as good as as mine. The governor has said over and over again that he is using, you know, data, science, the recommendations from the health officials. You know, of course, he has seen what happened, uh, the reaction to what happened in Georgia uh, when um, Governor Kent uh, tried very quickly to open a bunch of things. Um, And so, uh, you know, at the same time, he's a very pro-business governor. He's got this group of mostly business leaders uh, that's trying to put together a plan for reopening and how to do that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tough call because it seems like one day you say, well, gee, the numbers are going up and nah, we're not going to, the state home order is not going to go away. And the next day we're getting a, a news releasing. it looks like it's going to go away. So, but at this point, my hunch is, is that we're, you know, it's not going to be soon, uh, but soon these days is, you know, could be about the time when you listen to this podcast. Um, but what I really mean is it's probably in the next week or two. Um, I think, I think things are going to kind of stay as is unless the numbers dramatically drop uh, in cases. And we've, um, while they have fallen off of that peak that Lauren talked about earlier, they've not fallen consistently uh, since then. They've actually, they fell off a little bit and then plateaued and, uh, and have kind of, you know, hovered around this, you uh, 160, 170 mark, and have you even gone higher? So, um, you know, you know, and of course, there are people out there saying, let's look at different metrics, hospitalizations, uh, recovery, those kinds of things. But I think we're talking about public confidence. We're talking about something that's maybe intangible, and that's one of the things that the governor is really aiming at. Is this idea of of trying to build back public confidence to go back to the stores, to go back to their hair salons, to go back to work, uh, you know, and to spend money? Uh, and I think until really we see those case numbers go down, until we see those you know two hundreds, one eighties, one seventies become two digits, and then become single digits, uh, then then I think that's when that confidence is going to come back.
1: Right, and when we're talking about that stay at home order, South Carolina of course, compared to a lot of other states, was slow to put that in place. So where do we stand right now compared to other states in terms of reopening? Of course, you brought up Georgia. Um, Georgia was the quickest to reopen at this point, we can safely say, opening dine-in restaurants, close contact businesses like salons. So where does South Carolina stand compared to other states right now?
2: Well, a lot of the southern states have either um, are, are planning on ending their stay-at-home orders by the end of the month or really by the end of the week uh, you know it's really funny when you sometimes think of the end of the month wow that's far away but that's Friday uh, from when we're, we're taping this uh, this podcast so um, but yeah you know, so by Friday most of the southern states will have let their stay-at-home um uh orders expire um that said florida may not have um and so there there are some other states that may not have as, as well and again south carolina is saying we're making our own decisions our own way even though he governor mcmaster has been talking to other republican governors in the south um he has been for the most part um you know, making his own decisions, uh, and again, basing them on you know, as he keeps on saying the science and the data and the expertise that are out there. Um, and we'll see. Um, um, uh, you know, the, I think the sense is that is, is is again trying to get get a sense of is there that confidence to reopen things and not feel like that we're doing it too fast.
1: So, speaking of that yeah. that that guidance piece from from health officials, we had some really specific guidance recently in terms of mass gatherings and when we can see mass gatherings again and right and that would Mm -hmm. impact schools of course and church services so when we're talking mass gatherings it's not just you know a big party it's a lot of our regular uh, daily functions so what was that guidance that we got last week and kind of those specific terms of what we need to look for until we get to that point
2: sure sure Dr. Linda Bell, who is the who's the state who is the state uh, epidemiologist, um, the the chief epidemiologist for the state of South Carolina, said she would like to see 14 days of declining numbers, of significantly declining numbers, before she would feel comfortable suggesting that we return to having mass gatherings, as you said, church services, um, just other events where where we tend to get together, and it's hard to maybe even regulate um, social distancing. I mean, even if you do social distance, she even mentioned this: if you social distance even during a church service, you're still in the same sanctuary for an hour with all these other people you're not moving around you're not moving away from folks you know it's 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 that kind of thing so we've you know that's that's the number and then and that's the same kind of um suggestion that actually came from uh, the white house uh in its you know three-phase process of trying to reopen states that they call this the gating and you had to meet certain criteria before you even started the process of reopening and um one and that well, part of that was 14 days of declining numbers uh, declining case numbers and like again we have we've plateaued we haven't seen that. so it may be a little bit until we get to that mass gathering and that's why I was suggesting that I would think that again those arenas, coliseums, nightclubs, things like that where um, you're gonna have a just a, 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 a conglomeration of folks close together that you can't social distance are going to be the last things we're going to see uh, undone uh, from from these orders.
1: Do we have an idea of how that might impact? schools, which of course have closed for this school year, but right, some are already looking toward August and not knowing if they'll be able to reopen normally at that point, right?
2: Right. And, you know, and it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, there was a report that said, you know, some of the, the, the school districts in Charleston are looking at Staggering kids, uh, staggering students in um, at this point, and that's been the discussion uh, at colleges I'm aware of as well. Um, you know, how do how do we how do we, how do we um, again not get everybody in a room together, but you know, give some people some virtual instruction, some people some in person instruction, and you know, and again, uh, Linda Bell talked about how she was not offering any advice about school in August until she saw those numbers go down, and again, that's the same situation where. You know, you you can't. It's hard to sort of get second graders to social distance in a hallway. Well, think about everybody's together on a bus. Um, you know, there's nearly there's really no getting away from that. And and again, I think that's something Lauren can probably speak to is the idea that there's concerns, and of course, the coronavirus, while maybe dying down in the summer, could uh, come back in the fall as 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 these kinds of um, uh, viruses do. So you know, that's again got a weigh on everyone. So I, I you know would I be terribly surprised if we have some or all online instruction coming back in the fall? Probably not. Um, but again, it depends where the case level is and it depends where people's comfort level is because I think partly also, you also don't want to have school open up in August and have, you know, 50% attendance because half the parents said, I don't want to send my my son or my daughter, uh, to school because I'm afraid they're going to get the, uh, get the Rona.
0: Right. I, I guess this leads me to wonder, um, you know, so so we're talking about what, what reopening looks like um with with current treatment available or the current treatments that are available and you know what we know about the virus now. But you know, what are what are we learning about the virus? Um and this might be more for, for um Lauren, what what are we learning about the virus and like any potential like treatments or
3: I've written or word about strategies this. yeah yeah I've written about this a little bit um, over the past week a, lo- a lot of what people are talking about are these blood plasma transfusions now um, increasingly you're getting a large number of people who have thankfully um, recovered from it and their blood their immune systems um, created these antibodies that they still have um, that fought off the infection successfully. And so MUSC and hospitals across the state are encouraging people um, who've recovered to um, donate their blood plasma, which is a relatively straightforward process. You can do it at the Red Cross or the Blood Connection or any of those places. And and that plasma can be transfused into patients um, who are struggling to recover in hospital settings. Um, some of those transfusions are already taking place across the state, I understand, there. Or it's being done successfully in some cases so um, while we still don't have a drug or a vaccine we do um, we do have an option um, for people who have often run out of options
1: do we have an idea of how someone would know if they are eligible to donate plasma so
3: that's a so that's a good question um, they, they started off by saying you had to have had a positive test, which obviously the people who have had positive tests represent only a fraction of people who um, actually had the virus. But you're, you're seeing now more and more advertising out there for um, just walk-in clinics that are doing antibody testing. So hypothetically... You know, if you thought, Emily, that you had coronavirus six weeks ago but never got tested and just kind of stayed at home and recovered and you're curious um, about whether or not you had it, you could go into one of these clinics and pay a fee, I think, and be tested for antibodies in your bloodstream. Now, there are some um, drawbacks to this because you could have gotten it let's say you had COVID back in January, you might not have any antibodies in your bloodstream. left. So if you got a negative antibody test, it doesn't necessarily rule out the possibility that you had it a while back. If you get a positive antibody test, it doesn't rule out the possibility that you still have coronavirus right now. So it's kind of a a risky proposition. And, And one doctor that I talked to last week was... He, he's like, there's really no harm in getting one of these tests, but like, what is the counseling surrounding these tests? Like, you know, there's so many caveats, whether you get a positive or a negative that, you know, just at the individual level, getting these antibody tests in a walk-in clinic may not have a ton of value. But um, but that is all of that is just to say, if you do get a positive test and you have been symptom-free for 28 days, um, I believe you are considered a candidate to donate your plasma.
1: And you said we've actually seen some success with that already, right? Do you mean in South Carolina or in other
3: places? I believe so. I think one of our reporters is working on this story today, right, Andy? Uh, I think so, yes. I know I know. MUSC has performed... Um, Last week, I think they had already performed four and were on track to do several more. And um, while the doctors there that I've talked to are encouraged by early results, I think it's just it's still it's still being it's still being tested. I mean, this is all it, it's part of a, a broader sort of national um, effort to figure out if how well this works and if it works. And and while additional results here and in other places are encouraging, I think. Um, You know, it remains to be seen how widespread we're going to be able to use this.
1: And when we're talking about any other treatment or a drug or a vaccine, of course, it's still the case that those are pretty far out in the in the future. Do we have any new insight on where we are in that process?
3: I really don't beyond beyond what um, y'all are. Sorry, Brent just keeps looking at me in the window and it's driving me insane. <laughs> no, you cannot use the chainsaw.
2: <laughs> you got to keep that in. I, I'm <laughs> sorry. That, that's got to stay in. Uh, no, you can't use, a chainsaw. That's, you can't use that's the chainsaw. That's wor-
1: working from home.
3: <laughs> um, He's trying to do landscaping and is like looking at me through the window. That is actually,
1: that has been one of my... Big problems. Is it seems like every time I have someone on the phone for an interview, someone starts a leaf blower outside. Yeah, like oh every single time.
0: Yeah, they were they were jackhammering across the street from my house. Like yesterday, it was really annoying.
2: Uh, but I'll take any of that over the pile driver that Glenn Smith seems <laughs> to live next to. Oh
0: gosh, yeah, that one's <laughs> terrible. I hear that in the in our um, meetings sometimes.
1: Andy, can you explain for us what? accelerate sc is and what they've done at this point
2: that's uh, (laughs) yeah accelerate sc is the group that uh governor mcmaster put together uh the 29 member panel um that he will uh he'll want to get advice from to uh essentially restart the economy uh post um outbreak I guess at least this initial outbreak uh, the idea is getting together business leaders some medical folks some, uh, some some other some other folks in higher education and in education how to get schools restarted, how to get businesses restarted how to get uh, colleges restarted all of it um, and how to do it safely. Um, they're have, they started meeting for the first time last week, actually, they were officially named last week and they held a, a big meeting last week and subgroups have started to meet this week in discussing, uh, um, again, uh, ways that they feel like, you know, for instance, can, when, what, what are the rules that we have to have when we do return to dine in, um, um, eating at restaurants. Uh, you know, I saw the rules in, uh, in Georgia, I think there's so 39 or 40 different things you have to do in order to start serving customers inside your restaurant. Uh, I, I made, I made the jokes, half of which didn't sound very appetizing or very welcoming, um, you know, uh, t- to wanting to go in. Um, you know, so I think it kind of gets at that whole thing of, you know, is there going to even be some suggestions of, are we ready to do these things? Um, or at what point are we ready to do these things? Uh, a, a, a big theme of that group of Accelerate SC is again that that building that confidence among uh, consumers among South Carolinians to return to normal activity, um, and I think we all know friends family who have said, "I'm not sure I'm ready to go back yet," and some of whom have said, "If my favorite restaurant doesn't open tomorrow, I'm going to lose it." So um, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything, um, but uh, for the most part, the folks I've I've spoken with have said. They're not quite ready for for everything, but they are ready for some return to normalcy. And um, and uh, some have said, I guess they just maybe maybe they're just tired of uh, homeschooling their kids at this point and want to go back to work.
1: Yeah, and I, I know one of the members of that team is Helen Hill, who is mm-hmm. uh, the CEO of Explore Charleston here, and basically just the uh, queen of all things tourism in Charleston. And I I spoke with her right after. They had that, that first meeting, I think it was. And when you're talking consumer confidence, obviously tourism is one of those things that we know is just going to take a hit for months and months and we don't quite know how long, um,
2: and, and and a bigger issue is do you want folks from other states to come here? Right. You know what I mean? The idea the idea is that, you know, this is all about containment and, and, and as and as Lauren said earlier, you know, we've South Carolina, it's its cases for population and all the rest has been has been relatively low compared to other states. And that's a part of the reason why we have at the moment a ban on folks from New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey from renting a hotel or other short-term um, uh, stays here, uh, because they're trying their best to keep to, to keep the, the the virus at a minimum here, so it, it you know at the same time obviously we feel for what is South Carolina's top industry, um, having worked in Myrtle Beach for the start of my career, I know very well you know what they're going through down there. Um, it, but you know that said, um, you know it's it's you know if if we think we're we're disturbed by the number of locals that are congregating on the beach, you know add people from Ohio and West Virginia and Indiana who have been cooped up for two months.
1: Right, right, and I. I know that I mentioned May 1st earlier in terms of state parks reopening and uh, visitor centers reopening. That's another key date for the tourism sector because that's when they'll start rolling out a new uh, marketing campaign. And I know for the first month of that, the messaging is supposed to be uh, think about planning a trip later. But don't book it yet. Um, but at least their tentative plan right now is by June to start encouraging people to make bookings. So, of course, the Dwayne Parrish, who's the uh, the director of our um, tourism department, said that timeline is tentative. Of course, depending on what happens. But at least as of now, um, our tourism leaders plan to start putting some marketing out there as of this Friday and and possibly encouraging people to visit early next month. Um, but again, we'll have to see what uh, the guidance is and see how, see how things develop during that time.
2: Well, and, uh, and, this, and, and that really gets to this very tough balancing act that we have and, and is that, you know, every, uh, you know, we have had what more, almost 400,000 South Carolinians file for unemployment since this has begun, began. And, at the same time, and we had again, tourism is our top industry, and this is the tourist season. We're heading into Memorial Day, um, you know, and 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 June one makes a certain amount of sense to bring people in, uh, at least as far as when they typically vacation. But again, uh, you know, are they going to come, and do we and do we want them to come? Um, and uh, but at the, but at the same time, these are hotels and restaurants and attractions that. You know, generate um, revenue and obviously put food on the plate, food uh, you know, food food on the table for you know thousands and thousands of employees here in the state. So as I said, it's uh, it's a it's a it's it's going to be a bit of a, ba- a bit of an incredible balancing act, and that's where that accelerated SC group comes in.
0: Well, so I th- I think that's probably a, a good place to leave this this conversation. Um, since uh, since all of this got started, uh, and I know. Lauren's been on the show a couple of times, so she's already done this. But um, I, I, we've been asking everybody uh, if, if there are any tips or suggestions that you have, anything that you've learned working from home. Um, so, since Lauren's already answered this question, how about how about you, Andy?
2: Um, there's. Uh, hang on, I was going to stop myself for a minute. Hang on, me let- <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the honest answer after we're off um, you know the, the biggest the biggest tip I, I, I is you know I fortunately fortunately or unfortunately I had a, a wife who was laid off uh, in, about a decade ago and so she had to figure out a work routine at home so I learned a lot from her and what I learned was get ready like as if you're going to work so I have I do the same routine I do as if I was going to the office and getting ready and getting dressed and coming down at a certain time I, you know, I'm proud to say I'm, you know, I, I don't, I've never came down in sweatpants and pajamas. I mean, I'm not wearing suits. Um, if for those of you, you can't see me. I'm in a golf shirt and khaki pants. You know, I'm just, you know, I, I'm trying to put myself in a place where I feel like I'm at work. And if, to, and if at the, at the turn of a hat, somebody said you had to go somewhere, I wouldn't be going, okay, I have to take off my Motley Crue t-shirt to go, to go someplace. So it's, it's that mindset of saying I'm at the office, even if it's every day is casual Friday. Is, is maybe a way of looking at it. Um, and, you know, uh, wearing shoes, you know, as opposed to flip flops, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I it, have no shoes right now for the rest. No, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm, and there's no the judgment. I have no, I, have no, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't so ask clear. you. I have no, I, I, I have no judgment. I just, uh, and the other thing, I'll, the only other piece of advice I would give is, is this. If you don't have to sit at your desk to do something, to talk on the phone, get up and get out. The first week I would sit, I, for those of us who, for those of you who don't know the business, I'll, I'll do it real quick. We have a morning meeting at nine o'clock. It ha- lasts about a half hour. We talk about what we're going to do for the day. I then have to spend about the next hour or so on the phone talking to various people to follow up from that. I would sit at my desk. I said, what am I doing? I got up and I started walking. And I have some days, no joke, just in the post-budget meeting um, time, done 10,000 steps. Wow. So get, I'm getting them in and coming back. And I'm on the phone for 90 minutes talking to my, my reporters, talking to my colleagues other editors, talking to sources. And I don't have to be near a computer, and it's been great. So that's my other piece of advice. Thank you for indulging me on two. So,
1: oh, that's good. Well, Lauren, have you learned anything new, I guess, since last time we talked? I feel like we talked several
3: weeks ago, and <laughs> I think I was being too ambitious. I don't even remember <laughs> what I said. Like I, what
2: well, you haven't you haven't baked a seven layer cake and I, and I, redone the bathroom?
3: No, <laughs> I, I will say that we have baked a lot, but I'm not going to worry about how much am I eating. I'm not really going to worry about how much I'm not working out. I'm not going to worry if I want to open a bottle of wine on a Monday night. I'm just going to get, I'm just giving myself a ton of grace. I'm not worried about how much TV my kids are watching. I'm just, this is a, a really weird moment in time and I am not going to hold myself to the same sort of standards as I would normally. So yes, I agree with Andy, like, getting dressed every day is a goal making the bed every day is a goal but like these are this is like let's make this house function at like the bare minimum like i do not need to be Martha stewart here you know like yeah, yeah.
2: No, no, I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I mean, it's, as I said, a golf shirt is my fancy wear, but it's, it's just, as I said, it's, yeah, I think that, I think that's a great, a a great observation there, too, that the idea that you don't, I think I've heard a lot of people say, I was going to get all this work done and I haven't gotten anything done. Don't worry about it. Hopefully you're doing your job. Hopefully you're taking care of your family and you're enjoying the time together.
1: Can both of you, before we sign off, share with our listeners what is the best way to get in touch with you if they have questions?
3: Sure. Um, you can actually, I'm not, I'll am i give you my email. I get so many emails. It's just <laughs> lsaucer at com. But you can also reach me on Twitter, and I probably would notice you reaching out there more quickly just because I get fewer Twitter notifications. But it's just Lauren M. Saucer or at Lauren M. Saucer. Um, you can leave me a voicemail. It's 843-937-5598 um yeah i'm happy to take tips and ideas and feedback
2: i'd say same same here i want to i want to hear from you um let's see the different ways of getting a hold of me i am at a shane a-s-h-a-i-n at post courier.com that's a good way of getting me you can also dm me on uh, on twitter i'm at andy shane uh, and again that's s-h-a-i-n on on twitter um you know uh you know Feel free to reach out. I, I'm pretty responsive. Um, uh, I, I would say, you know, just like Lauren, actually, somehow I notice these things more sometimes on Twitter than I do on on, e- on email. Um, and uh, you know, uh, we want to hear what you have to say or what you're thinking or or what you hear what you've heard from a friend. Um, you know, anything can help us in our reporting. And again, being part of the largest news organization in the state, um, you know, even if you think, well, this isn't your neck of the woods, but I, you know, again, I work in Columbia. I can. Um, send it down to my friends in Charleston, and vice versa. Um, so you know, so please don't don't feel like you've got a. I don't know anybody in that bureau. I don't know anybody on that team. If you know me, or you know Lauren, or you know Emery or or Emily, reach out to them and, and give them a tip, and they can get it to the right per- person. We're all traffic cops, so I want to throw that out. Throw that throw that out as well.
1: And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions specific to this podcast, you can find us on Twitter
0: at UnderstandSC. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Lauren and Andy, for joining us. And uh, we will be back next week. Alright, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of the Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an IE, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later.